Hello and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host Meghla Bhardwaj and on today's episode we're going to be talking about a very unique service called the Buy Hive that allows importers worldwide to send freelance buyers on their behalf to attend trade shows in Asia. And to talk about this service, please welcome Minesh Pore, the founder of the Buy Hive. Hey Minesh, how are you doing? Hi Megla, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I've been watching all your podcasts and I learn a lot from many of your podcasts. It's great to be there. Oh, thank you so much. That's good to know. Someone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening and watching. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> okay, so Manish, you and I have worked um, you know, for a long time together at Global Sources. Both of us are ex-Global Sources. So it's really nice that you know, you've started your own entrepreneurial venture now and so have I. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's exciting. So uh, before we get into you know, talking about the Buy Hive, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. How did you... Um, you know, end up starting this whole, this whole company? Okay. Um, so my background has been in the exhibitions industry pretty much for the last uh, 20 something years. Oh, that makes me sound old, but yeah, 20 something <laughs> years. I started in 99 in trade shows in India. We launched some, I launched some of the trade shows uh, that are now uh, big in India in those days. Those are the first few trade shows that were getting launched. Uh, then I uh, uh, then I spent some time in the U.S., then did some trade, uh, trade work in Taiwan, selling textiles and commodities to the world uh, for about three-something years. So I did see that side of the business where it was, I was doing the trading and I was exhibiting at trade shows and I was buying at China trade shows. We were buying a lot of uh, polymicrofiber those days uh, from all over China and selling it to uh, around the world. A lot of it was going to U.S. Uh, uh, US brands. This was before the quota regime. So you're selling to U.S. brands. Then you're going to selling to India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, wherever manufacturing was happening. So okay. interesting times. Then uh, I joined Global Sources, managed uh, all the international operations of the trade shows in those days. Uh, they called it China Sourcing Fair. And they had just launched China Sourcing Fair in Hong Kong in 2006. So I joined them. And they didn't have any non-China participants because of the name China Sourcing Fair. And we yes. built that business uh, from pretty much in a year from nothing to over a million dollars worth of business. So that was fun. Um, I worked with them for about five years, 2011. Then I went and built a sourcing platform for Intertech uh, called Trade Good uh, in uh, in New York. And I also managed their uh, compliance business, the social and environmental compliance business for North America. Uh, so I was responsible for uh, USA, Mexico, and Canada. And I used to travel a lot around Mexico, uh, Central America, North America, uh, working with clients like Walmart, Target, uh, that were the big ones, and then lots of uh, middle-sized clients all over uh, North America. Uh, post that, uh, I came back to the trade show world. I went to London and joined Pico. Manage, I was the chief executive for the European operations, uh, managed trade shows uh, for them, or the trade shows that they were part of uh, for them, as well as uh, building boots and stuff for big clients like Huawei, uh, Embraer, uh, and so on and so forth. So they had some large clients that used to do large exhibitions. Uh, like the Embraer stand would be 10,000 square meters. Uh, the Huawei stand would be 20,000 square meters at MWC and stuff like that. So saw that side of it. And then we just not build the stand, but we also manage the operations and the buyer flows and how to interact with the attendees, et cetera, et cetera. So good learning. 
And then Global Sources wanted me back. So I moved back to Global Sources in 2016. And since then, I was managing uh, all the trade shows, magazines, online for all the international offices of Global Sources, and was also responsible for launching uh, or managing a trade show called Startup Launchpad, where we help startups or uh, we help the innovators to go uh, international, help them find buyers, help them uh, get to the market faster by uh, reaching out to buyers. Good experience, two and a half years of doing that, uh, turned it around, did a break even with that product while managing the rest of the business. But a lot of learning, a lot of nice connections, a lot of motivations, and which almost made me become, not almost, it made me become a startup founder, <laughs> uh, taking a risk after 20 years of a very comfortable salary package, uh, go back to starting a startup. So that was very exciting. But the main reason we started by Hive, so I started by Hive with uh, somebody you know very well, uh, Brent Barnes, who was the CEO, and I think he reported to him for a bit. Yes, he was my yeah. boss. <laughs> yes. So he is our CEO, uh, and he's my co-founder, and I'm very lucky to have him. Uh, as you know, his skills and his uh, uh, his experience with the buyers and also with the Amazon sellers and Amazon uh, eBay sellers and stuff. So that has been a good path that we were working on this for, for some time. And we, had, we I mean, we were working at Global Sources and we were thinking of what should we do? I mean, the Global Sources is good, but we need to look at the next something. And we wanted to really solve a problem solve an issue and look at the future of uh, how work happens, how sourcing happens and what is going to change in that uh, and how do we play a role in that. Both of our backgrounds, he's worked 20 years in global sources, he's worked on multiple sides of global sources. So he has an understanding of the buyers, he has an understanding of the suppliers, he has an understanding of what the trade show organizers need. And my side has been always business development and understanding and I like I said all that uh, trade show experience has taught me what uh, trade shows need as well as what the buyers need and what the sellers need and so on and so forth. So we came up with, uh, and, and with our another third partner, Michael, who is actually uh, uh, another co-founder and he owns one of the large trading houses in Hong Kong and he sells to some Amazon sellers, he sells to Walmart, he sells to Target, he sells to Kema. He does premiums and uh, water bottles and hats and gifts and stuff like that. And his company's been doing it for about 60-something years. Uh, he's, uh, he's the GM there. Uh, he's the son of the founder. And uh, he, ha he already employs about 150 merchandisers. So he understands the challenges of that business. Plus, he's an exhibitor at all Global Sources shows and Hong Kong TDC shows, in uh, European shows, in the U.S. houseware show, etc. Cetera, et cetera. <coughs> so he brings a perspective of a buyer as well as a seller. And then we were thinking of it, uh, we, we saw that people, uh, so we, we saw three types of buyers in the world. One uh, is the Walmarts and the Targets and the large size big box retailers, we call them. Uh, second is the ASOS kind of retailers that are coming up, up and coming retailers who have online, offline presence, uh, who started online and then they are building some offline just pop-up stores. Brands, basically. Brands. Smaller brands, um, yeah. Smaller brands. And then there is the uh, world that you play in, which is the Amazon sellers, the eBay sellers, the Shopify sellers, all those online sellers uh, around the world. And what we realized is that all of them are changing very rapidly. Right. But, but for this conversation, let's talk about the eBay Amazon sellers and what is happening with them, right? So the eBay Amazon sellers are growing in number. Their volumes per, uh, per seller is growing. 
they are very good and and as you you would know better than me but they are very good at managing their stores they're very good at doing their seos their scms they're very good at uh, their shopify cart whatever that is needed to sell products they're very good at that selling uh, most of them don't have experience with sourcing or buying uh while at the large side what is happening is the large big box retailers are shrinking and they are cutting off staff in sourcing sourcing staff merchandisers who are probably uh, 10 years 20 years 15 years experienced people who are getting cut day in day out and these were the two things we were seeing and we say oh how do how is it that we can use these guys who are getting cut off to help those guys that are uh, that need that service and they don't have that service right. so we started thinking of how to use that and putting it in the perspective of trade shows thinking it up from a sustainability point of view saying hey, uh, traveling all the time is not sustainable and sometimes not viable especially for the amazon ebay sellers because the amazon ebay sellers they're two people three people four people companies you right. can't really travel to every trade show in the world but what happens when you don't travel to all the trade shows that are relevant to you is that you might be missing out on important information you might be uh, missing out on price points that you should be knowing you should be you might be missing out on new trends that are happening in the industry and so on and so forth so we said okay these guys who have experience especially uh, in um, in big cities where trade shows happen so for example hong kong shanghai shenzhen guangzhou uh, frankfurt berlin new york las vegas these are like i'm talking about only the top 10 cities but these top 10 cities have something like 300 odd shows large shows with 2000 plus exhibitors which are relevant for all these merchandise uh, for all these amazon sellers right and there is people merchandisers buyers were losing jobs in those cities because of the change in the industry mm. so if we were to provide a service pretty much like an upwork or an uber for sourcing where we give jobs to these guys while providing an opportunity for these amazon sellers to find suppliers find products find stuff it would make sense and that's what we built with byhive that was the essence of why we built byhive basically right. skill sets available and people losing jobs in that and people who who need that service and don't have that uh, skill set uh, most of the times what we are seeing so something we have done in the last couple of months of launching already is soft launches we haven't spent any money on marketing only done social media launches and stuff and only to recruit freelancers we haven't even started pro- publishing it out which we are doing now this week to uh buyers and we got amazing amazing merchandisers people who are work for the and for people who are working for walmart targets best buy uh who have experience with h&m who work for cost and stuff like that so like cross categories we are getting a lot of people with a lot of skill sets that we think would enhance an amazon buyer Right. right so so uh, is the service specifically targeted at uh, you know amazon e-commerce sellers or is it targeted at a particular type of buyer or is it targeted at anybody who wants to import products wants to attend a trade show but is unable to attend for some reason yeah, so think of it as a pyramid and the bottom of the pyramid which will have the largest transactions are going to come from the amazon ebay sellers because they need this service much more than anybody else Okay. Middle middle guys, that is the your, your small size brands, medium size brands. In some markets, they will use our service. So, for example, if you are based in Hong Kong uh, and you have a show in uh, Frankfurt, you might use our service. But if you are using based in Hong Kong, you will not use our service and stuff like that, right? Right. 
Um, and plus, if they're a small brand, uh, we uh, we think that they might have at least have one person or two persons go to the shows. What they would use it as maybe uh, something for the shows that they're not on the radar or add more shows to the radar is what we think they would use it for. For the big box retailers, we think they would use it for uh, doing uh, kind of market research or market study and saying, okay, instead of sending six people to a Hong Kong trade show or to Canton Fair, I'm going to send two and four, I'm going to get 10 staff from, uh, from Byhive who will go and filter out the market. for me. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so you mentioned a bit about the types of freelancers. So first of all, can you tell us how exactly will the platform work? So this is, this is basically an app or a platform, right? So can you just go over the steps of how it will work? Okay, so from we are populating information of the freelancers on the platform on the back end. Okay? okay, what happens is you are a buyer, you went, you're Amazon seller or, or a buyer in this case, we'll call you a buyer. You go on the platform, you say, I am sourcing electronics and I want to attend a Hong Kong electronic show or global sources, consumer electronics show. Uh, then I will say, you will fill up information about your company. You will fill up, okay, my requirement is I'm looking for computer products and I'm looking for uh, the European market. I sell in the European market. And my price points are maybe whatever, $5 to $6. Uh, and this is my product specs. You can even upload your product specs. Based on all that, uh, we will match you with somebody who has expertise in that particular computer product. So you said computer products, so we'll see which is a merchandiser in our pool of thousands of merchandisers, which is the one that is available on those days and which is going to be uh, going to that show for you on your behalf and doing the work for you. So we'll find that guy, we'll find is that. Is that manual or is that just done by the system? Is it like- So so there is partly manual, partly system. In the future, okay. it will be all system. But because we want to maintain high quality, so to begin with, we are doing part manual, part, part uh, automated. Okay. Uh, we, we are very, uh, so we as founders and having worked in this space, we are very careful not to match the wrong kind of merchandiser with the buyer because that could mean loss of a lot of money. I mean, not the $300 or $400 they pay us. It's a loss of an opportunity by not getting the right information. So we want to do it right, at least to begin with. And then in the future, we will even have a machine learning algorithm that will automatically do it for them. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so, and, and we are going to launch it on a limited scale. We're not going to do all in, everything in, so we can handle manually for now. Right. Um, so when it comes to once they have been scheduled, right, then they go to the, the, uh, the freelancers, we call them bees, buy hive and bees, worker bees. Yeah. <laughs> the bees, people who work are the worker bees, right? So they will go, the bees will go to the trade show. They have templates. So we have on our platform, they will have to upload the information inside the template. Okay. And that information, so let's say it will have a price point, it will have MOQs, it will have quality, it will have delivery terms, it will have multiple stuff that will be there, about 11 odd fields per product. So they can go to the, to the uh, supplier, take the information of the supplier, then inside the supplier, they can take product information. Uh, and maybe in supply one, there's five products and another one, there's 10 products, there's 20 products, so on and so forth. So they will just do that at the show. 
uh, we are expecting these guys to have walked that show in the past so they know how to navigate it faster so their efficiencies will be good and they know which suppliers to talk to. They will be able to talk the business language so they know the product information but they will also be most of the cases be able to speak the local language so they will be able to speak Mandarin or Cantonese whatever it be. So that will make life easy for them to buy and source as compared to somebody else going. Then they, they populate all this information and this populated information remains only for your, your eyes to see. If you are the buyer, you only see it, not another buyer. And they cannot right. copy paste it and put it to some other person. They cannot take screenshot. Nothing is allowed, right? The app will not allow all that. So they will go, they will upload all that information. It will be converted into, uh, uh, into two forms of it, a picture report. And then that picture report can be downloaded into an Excel report. Excel report will say, this is the product, this is the MOQ, this is the price. So it will have 11 fields in that Excel report, which will give you all that information. And then you can, you as a buyer, do, can filter it out. You can filter by price, filter by quantities, filter by quality, whatever you want to do, you play around with it. Uh, we want to make it add, so what we have done is we've taken sourcing formats of the best of the best, Walmarts, Targets, Kmarts, everybody's combined together and see what is a uniform sourcing report that goes across, which covers most of the fields. And that's what we are populating that information with. Uh, and once that report is downloaded, is the time when the freelancer, the B, gets paid. Till that transaction is not complete, till the buyer doesn't download that. And the buyer has, after the show is done, 48 hours to download that report and confirm that he has downloaded it. Once that is done, is when they will be able to uh, kind of get paid. So we, and, and then they get rated. So we make sure that they keep up the job. And if the rating goes below a certain time, we have to kick them out and retrain them or let them go. Right. So when these people are going around the trade show, are they mostly looking for suppliers for, you know, these companies or are they also looking for new products? Because many times buyers, you know, they, when they go to the, go to a show, they're just kind of looking around for anything that catches their eye, anything that's unique and innovative yeah. and new on the market. So how can something like that also be achieved? So basically that is up to the buyer what they want to achieve, right? So okay. if they have to put that in, in the, so we have a, a space, a kind of a field that will be there, which where they can say special requirements. So if they say, okay, I'm sourcing this particular product, but I am also interested in finding something new in the auto space. Can you look for it? Or I'm also interested in finding out something uh, innovative, more new phone cases or new materials or whatever. That is, they have to put it there. If they put it there, in their requirement sheet, then the uh, the B will know to look for it. So it is there, okay. the field is there, the B gets the sourcing kind of a, a demand or requirement mm -hmm. from the buyer that we send to the B. Okay, that makes sense. So you mentioned a little bit about the experience that you're looking for in these freelancers, like they should have some sort of merchandising or sourcing experience. Can you explain the process of how you vet these uh, freelancers and uh, you know, do they specialize in certain product categories generally, or, you know, do they, are they usually able to do most categories? Um, so to begin with, I think for the safety and for, because we are, we don't want to um, overpopulate, we are going specialized. So if you are specialized in textiles, we're going to send you to a textile related show. We're not going to send you to an electronic show. Um, if you're specialized in electronics, you're going to the electronic show. So 
that's that's what I that we are trying to be on the part of uh, how we filter them out. Uh, what we are trying to do is to make sure that these these people when they apply to a job post, right? We have a detailed job post, and when they apply to the job post, first of all, uh, everybody gets a training kind of a doc. And they can go through before they even apply the second time. So once they have applied, the resume is in. They immediately get an email from us saying, "Okay, this is the product. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do. Are you still interested?" And once they confirm, then we will do uh, phone interviews with them. And some of them that we cannot make sure, we'll call them to our office because we're doing it in Hong Kong. We'll call it to our office, um, and we will do some uh, filtering out further when we have doubts. Okay. Those that uh, somebody say somebody has been working for 15 years in Lianfeng and doing textiles, we're not going to call him or her for interviews. So right. okay, that's that's already there. He or she understands. We know it from the resume. We know it already when we see the resume. Uh, once they're there, then even before the show happens. So for example, if the whole show is 18th of April, or maybe 13th of April or 14th of April. Uh, before that date time, they will all get a calendly invite, and they will all be scheduled for face-to-face -face trainings for one hour. So they will be invited to our office in a batch of 10, and they will be getting training saying how to use the platform, what are the buyers looking for, what should you make sure you do, and kind of walking them through the steps and doing at least to begin with. So once for the first time, we'll be doing all that, kind of hand-holding them and making sure that they do the job properly when they go to the show. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's good that you're actually vetting them and, you know, interviewing them, because I think that's one of the main concerns that, you know, as a buyer, I would have. And in fact, um, if these merchandisers have a lot of experience working for big buyers, I think that would, in fact, benefit many of the Amazon sellers who are sometimes new to the industry and they themselves don't have a lot of product information, exactly. or product knowledge. So I think that will be a good um, yeah, like a learning experience maybe for the Amazon sellers. So um, what happens if, the, if a buyer is not uh, satisfied with the report that they get or if they, um, you know, if, if, if the B was not able to find any products or any suppliers that the buyer was looking for? What happens in that case? So, you, you know, I mean, you and I both have walked shows, uh, the large shows here. And it's very rarely that you cannot find anything, and especially when you spend, send in experienced people. Um, so hopefully that will not happen. But if, if for whatever reason, uh, the buyer is not satisfied, the buyer doesn't get enough information, uh, we have alerts when a report is not complete. Or say, for example, we are saying uh, in a typical show, in a one day, we're doing it by the day, right? So in a one day, uh, uh, experienced merchandiser should be able to cover at least 20-odd suppliers and at least, at least 150 to 160 products individual product photos and informations with all their information. That's what we tested it out and that's what okay. they should be able to do. If it is below that, uh, then we will get an alert and then we'll have to do right now, we'll be again doing a lot of manual check where we say, okay, this report is below our standard. Why is it below the standard? Is it a issue with the kind of product that they're looking for? Is it that the trade show is not a right fit? If it is something else. If there are anything that is say, for example, um, if some buyer selected a particular show where that product is already not there, we would alert them even before the big goes to the show. Say, so, okay, you may not find that many products there. Right. But if if it is all is fine and it is, we find that the B is doing 
not doing his or her job, then basically we give a full refund. Okay, okay. And so you, you also mentioned about rating. So after a job is completed, then buyers can actually rate uh, the freelancers and vice versa as well? Can freelancers uh, rate buyers? Right now, we are not doing the buyer ranking okay. to begin with. Uh, okay. Eventually, we'll do it, mm-hmm. uh, not in the first phase. Uh, so right now, it is only the B rating because it is important to have high quality. It's like Uber drivers. You know, you go, you take an Uber ride, you rate them. And if the rating below, you know that they, if the rating falls below three, they cannot drive for three months and they have to go through a course and stuff. So we're doing exactly same in some ways where we say, okay, if your rating falls below a certain level, then we are going to not allow you to go for a next job. And basically when the rating goes higher, they can get paid higher. So we incentivize on both sides. So if, if they go below a certain level, we kick them out. But if they, they do they continuously, somebody's doing 4.5 plus rating that every job that they do will re, give kind of a cash bonus every single time. So if they're going to get, let's say they're getting 1500 Hong Kong dollars for their job, we will pay them 1600 this time. The next time we'll pay them 1700 because they continuously did that job. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah it's a positive uh, yeah. incentive. Yeah. So how much does this service cost to buyers? And uh, like, how, how much do you pay freelancers? And, you know, okay. Like, how does that work? So, so typically the service for the buyer uh, costs about three ninety nine dollars. Uh, we might one day one day service okay. or one day sourcing three ninety nine US dollars. Uh, the service, I mean, service includes the platform and all that, right? Uh, what we will do uh, is that for the B, we will have to see the job requirement. And we'll have to see the qualifications of the B and they can get paid anywhere between of 1300, 1400 Hong Kong dollars to 2000, uh, 2200 Hong Kong dollars per day of work. But it all depends on who and what uh, is going to the work is and who's going and what is the work. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So um, has the service already launched or are you planning to launch with the April shows in Hong Kong? April shows pretty much are not happening Which, many yeah. of them are getting delayed <laughs> exactly. uh, but but canton fair is saying that they are going ahead so we probably will launch in canton fair to start with um, and then whenever hong kong shows happen but we with the li- website that goes live we will be promoting the new dates of all the hong kong shows so we'll be promoting global sources we'll be promoting hong kong tdc we'll be promoting informa shows uh, like fashion excess and aplf and stuff so we, we will we will launch every single show so the main shows in Hong Kong that are there, which is the Hong Kong Electronic Show, the Hong Kong Houseware Show, uh, the uh, Hong Kong Lighting Show, uh, the Global Sources Consumer Electronics, the Global Sources Mobile Electronics, Global Sources Fashion uh, and Lifestyle. So all those seven, eight shows, we will be launching this for the first phase. Right. And so, I, yeah, I wanted to ask, ask you, I mean, you mentioned Canton Fair. So is that confirmed that they are going ahead with it? Is there, has there been any official announcement? On their website, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's been there for a while. But they No, no, no. Like... That, this last week, they again announced that they're going ahead with it as it is. I okay. mean, the ministry announced. So, so far they are. Okay. But, but our concern is that a lot of flights to China will still not be open. So right. people will not, and, 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 you know, now with whatever is happening around the world, a lot of big companies are already doing travel freezes, but small yeah. companies are also concerned. And, you know, if you are, if you are, your family member wants to travel, you're like, Hey, come on, 
try to avoid it. And so we want to, at that point, when people have to avoid and the exhibition is still on, this is works out perfect. I mean, I don't know. We didn't start the coronavirus for you. <laughs> I was going to ask you, that was going to be my next question. Like, uh, did you have yeah. insider information or something? Because your timing seems to be, so this has got to be good for you, right? I mean, this has got to um, be like the perfect time for such a service. I, I mean, you know, saying it is good, maybe not nice, but yeah. the reality is that the timing is perfect when the solution is needed. Right. Like, you know, we were uh, we were discussing that uh, line got so big and so popular because of the earthquake in Japan. We have a mm-hmm. chance to get popular because our utility is perfectly understood in this dire circumstance. If it, this circumstance did not happen, people would still go for it. But the level at which or the numbers that will go for it is much uh, higher now or the need will be much higher. The need will be accepted much easier. Definitely. So the Hong Kong shows, TDC has already announced that they're moving the shows to July. But uh, yeah, Global Sources, we haven't heard anything officially yet. So we're still waiting for confirmation from them. Yeah. I mean, you know, so once you change the date, you and me both have been in the trade show industry too long. We know once you change the date, it gets 10 times harder to change the bias, travel habits, because it's, it's just like, no matter what happens, people are going to be worried about traveling by July. And plus, it is not the regular schedule thing. July is their kids' kids holidays in Europe and uh, US, summer holidays. So they have already planned their summer vacations for the kids. They're not going to get out of that. And those that are, uh, especially if they're women, right? If they're women buyers, they have other commitments in summer already done with their families and stuff. So how will they leave that? So, so we will be able to help all those people out who, because of whatever the circumstance, will not go. And then keep, give up paying a $300, $400 fee for getting that job done. And by somebody who's as professional as you, and maybe most of the cases more professional than you in yeah. sourcing, is completely worth it. Totally, yeah. Yeah, especially if they're able to do like 150 products, you said, per day. That's I mean, so really so good. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's a lot <laughs> based yeah. on personal experience, but you, you know, so um, yeah, we, it's doable. I, it's doable because uh, I'm extending it, and that is for the yeah. experience, experience merchandising. Maybe a smaller um, somebody who's got five years experience will not be able to do as much, but somebody right. who's experienced, he knows exactly how quickly to go. And and we made it templated, right? So everything is like a survey form when they're inputting the information, it's like a survey form. So you take, ting, 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 ting. you're just writing down, filling things very easily and very so quickly. as they're talking to suppliers, they're filling in information on yes. the app, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, typically what happens, even when the big buyers go today, what happens is you go to the show, you write down your notes on your Evernotes or in your phone or maybe yeah. pen and paper. Uh, then you attach the business card with the stapler and then yeah. you go back and then in the office, somebody else is inputting that in Excel format. Here, that entire step is gone. Right. So you get that Excel report. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. So is one freelancer only working for one buyer per day or can they have, can they be working for multiple buyers on the mm, same day? No, no, cannot. I mean, at least for now, we'll yeah. have one buyer dedicated to one B and one B dedicated to one buyer because, uh, I mean, oh, sorry, one B dedicated to one buyer. One buyer can have multiple Bs. Yeah. Okay. So they can have multiple Bs for multiple days, I guess, because you don't want multiple. the, yeah. 
Yeah, or they can have on the same day, but different product, right? So I'm doing yeah. computer products. I'm also doing uh, phone accessories. I'm also doing uh, right. some home electronics. I can send somebody for each category. Right. That totally makes sense. Is there the option of the buyer being able to talk to the freelancer before um, they start the job, like actual phone conversation and, you know, maybe give them some detailed guidelines or things like that? Um, again, not to begin with. In the future, there will be. But okay. to begin with, it will be all through the platform. Okay. So we will encourage them to upload as much information on the platform. Okay, I see. Would these people also be able to help with sourcing eventually? I mean, are, are these, because they are merchandisers, do they already have full-time jobs or are they already, you know, working uh, in their own businesses? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so something else uh, that we are working on is uh, a virtual sourcing service, uh, which will be all year round, no matter shows happen or not. Right. And during that time, they will be able to use these merchandisers to do regular sourcing and regular activities for them without yeah. the show. Uh, many of these merchandisers may be moonlighting, so they have a job and they're doing this, but many of them have uh, left their jobs are not in jobs anymore because of the job cuts and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be very useful. I mean, especially because if these people do have a lot of sourcing experience, um, you know, that would definitely benefit um, sellers, uh, Amazon sellers specifically. Yeah. Okay, cool. It sounds very, very exciting. So um, yeah, I think uh, we've got a lot of information and um, maybe you can tell people, uh, you know, how to get more information about the service, how to sign up for it if they're interested and how to reach you. Uh, get on www.thebuyhive.com and you'll be able to register. You'll be able to see the shows that we have scheduled for uh, and you'll be able to uh, put in your uh, requirements simple, straightforward steps. Uh, the website should be live uh, this week when the video gets uploaded. Yes, right. Awesome. And in case anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do uh, that? You can send an email to me at minesh at thebuyhive.com. Okay, awesome. And I'll put all of these, uh, the email and the link in the show notes as well. Yeah. So awesome. Well, Minesh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Maja. And uh, wish you all the very best. It does sound like a very, um, you know, unique service that is definitely uh, going to be able to fill in a gap and, um, you know, help buyers source efficiently. So, yeah, I think um, it looks very exciting. Thank you. Thank you, Magla. I appreciate cool. it. All right. It's, it's good coming from somebody who has experience like you. <laughs> awesome. You. All thank right. You, thanks a lot, Manish. See you around. Bye. Bye.